If you have your own story of being in a cult or a high control group, or if you've had experience with manipulation or abuse of power that you'd like to share, leave us a message on our hotline number at 347-86-TRUST. That's 347-868-7878. Or shoot us an email at trustmepod at gmail.com. Trust me. Dude, you trust me. Trust me. I'm like a smart person. I've never lied to you. I never have lied to you. If you think that one person has all the answers, don't. Welcome to Trust Me, the podcast about cults, extreme belief, and manipulation from two movie stars who've actually experienced it. I'm Lola Blanc. And I'm Megan Elizabeth. Today, our guest is an actual movie star, Rosanna Arquette, director, actor, activist. She's going to tell us about her childhood and how she grew up on a commune that was part of the Subid spiritual movement with a mom who was troubled but became interested in growth and self-reflection later in life and how the real extreme thinking in her life was actually in the racist southern neighborhood outside the community. She'll also tell us about her experiences with Harvey Weinstein sexual harassment and the subsequent changes she experienced in her career and what it felt like to speak out about him and be part of a movement that changed the world. That's right. All that and more. And before we dive in with her, Megan, tell me your cultiest thing. You know what? I'm excited about this week's cultiest thing. I'm looking at some articles that are saying that there's new evidence that we're genetically predisposed to like serial killer documentaries that we it makes sense for us to want to get gameplays because we feel like it's going to help us defeat them in the end which makes me happy because it always feels kind of dark that people just love to watch people get murdered you know what i mean mm. Interesting. Do you find in your life, this is fully anecdotal, I don't have any statistics, but do you find in your life that women are more into true crime than men? Yeah. And I guess that would, you know, make the point even more because we're usually the ones getting murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> generally, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I definitely have been in that camp and I feel like what it activates for me is just this like fascination about extreme behavior. Like how could anyone possibly do this thing that's so horrible? Like I don't think I feel afraid of serial killers, which I probably should be. But yeah, you should. You know, like let's. Well, let's- I feel afraid of more like random killers on the like yeah. random angry guys, but not like serial killers. You yeah. know what I mean? You, you know, the statistics are low, but let's knock on wood and. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Oh, God, I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> what about you? What's the coldest <laughs> thing that happened to you this week? The coldest thing that happened this week, honestly, is that I've been staring at a computer so long that I'm losing my mind. Mm. But other than that, I saw that Steve Wozniak, do you know who he is? Say more. Uh, so he's he was one of the co-founders of Apple. Yes, he was in the garage with Steve Jobs. Yes, and I yes. so my I know him like my family has known him for a long time because they used to have a tech company. Wow. Um, and he was around. He was love was great guy. Anyway, um, but he spoke about Elon Musk in an interview, and um, and the highlights I find entertaining. In an interview with CNBC on Thursday, he called Elon Musk dishonest. He said he's similar to Steve Jobs because they both wanted to be, quote, like a cult leader. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I put them in the category of having the ability to communicate and wanting to be seen as the important person and be like a cult leader. A lot of people will follow them no matter what they say. 
And then he also said Musk is not as skilled of an entrepreneur as as Steve Jobs was, but like they have that same need for attention or whatever. Musk just needs to do more acid like Steve Jobs and then he'll be equal. Did you hear about this? That earlier this year, Reuters said that one of these self-driving marketing videos was at least partially Steve's. <laughs> Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Maybe we talked about that, actually. I don't know, um, but the, I don't ever want to be in a self-driving car. That sounds crazy. I'm an awful driver, but I'll trust myself. I think it's pretty fun once you get <laughs> once you get used to it. But I also like I, I don't think I'd be able to relax for real. No, no. I just saw a video of a woman sleeping on the highway. No. Yes. At, at the wheel? Yes. Oh, of her self-driving so car. Scary. That is so scary. It's weird. Um, but if they were all self-driving, there'd probably be less accidents. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Mm. Anyway, just my just your weekly Elon Musk is a charlatan news. That's that's mine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Great. So we talk to Rosanna now. Let's do it. Trust Me is brought to you by Thrive Cosmetics. Thrive Cosmetics has more than 25,000 five-star reviews for a reason. They mimic the look of lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Thrive Cosmetics uses their own formula, which means that it wraps around each lash as you apply it to dramatically lengthen and define your lashes from root to tip. It lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking and uses nourishing ingredients to support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It slides right off with warm water and a washcloth. No soap required. Thrive Cosmetics is certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. No parabens, sulfates, or phthalates, all without compromising performance. And as a part of their mission, they support organizations that help communities thrive, such as those battling domestic abuse, homelessness, cancer, and more. You have to try Thrive Cosmetics to see for yourself. Right now, you can get an exclusive 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash trust me. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash trust me for 15% off your first order. me. Rosanna Arquette, it is so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I think I speak for both of us when I say we are both very big fans of oh. you. I was re-watching Desperately Seeking Susan this morning God. and thinking how, how freaking cool. when you were born? <laughs> In my 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also Crash. I fucking love Crash. Oh, wow. Yeah. All of it. Cronenberg's Crash. The Cronenberg's Crash. There's a different Crash. Yeah, it was yeah. like an Oscar-nominated Crash. We are the Cronenberg's Crash. Yeah, much cooler Crash. We were one that freaked out everybody in the Cannes Film Festival. I love it. I love it. So it's like a big, him in general, but also that movie in particular has had a big influence on me personally. Because what? Because yeah, of driving, autoerotica, driving, and then like <laughs> Because now I get in car accidents car and accident? have sex with people <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. It's a very weird All right. <laughs> car crash sex. It's my, it's my kink. <laughs> um, no, just like the weird and the it's just captured a tone that I hadn't seen before I yeah. saw that movie. You know? you know. All right, tell us about your childhood because we we are very curious about this. <laughs> this. <laughs> Must I? Um, oh, Start us at the beginning you know of your life. I had a great, I had a crazy, amazing upbringing. When I'm thinking about it in this time in my life, mm. I think it took a long time to get to this point where, like, oh my god, I had the most amazing childhood. Even though there was madness and crazy things going on around me, but I had, I grew up with incredibly creative parents. Mm. A, 
And so, you know, I was around the most amazing painters, the most amazing poets, artists, mm, dancers, cool. political activists. My, we lived in Chicago for a long time, and my mother was a real activist. Um, that's, I think, where, why all of us have it in our souls. Mm. Every one of us individually, you know, is an activist. She was one of the organizers for a march in Chicago. It was an anti-war march. And they used to have love-ins, peace This was like hippie time, you know. It was amazing. And Martin Luther King came to this march. Wow. I know, it's like, wish I had pictures of this. But I was in the back of a truck with him, and I've talked about this wow. before. Wow, amazing. My mother had painted across my body, no shirt on, stop the war, kill no more. And mm. I think I was like six or something. Like, it's like, it was sort of, like it was a long time ago, and he was there in the back of this truck in Chicago, and it was a peace march. Getting him to the gig, or not, you know, we were, my mom was one of the organizers, so at one point he just looked at me, he goes, What's your name? I told him my name. He goes, get a shirt on that little girl. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Words of wisdom from Martin Luther King. This is my story, you know, from one of the greatest men on the planet ever. Wow. I wish it could have been something other than that, but I've been trying to keep my shirt on ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Words of wisdom, honestly. (laughs) Your parents were actors? My mother was an actor, poet, acting teacher. Hmm. And then she became a therapist for abused women. Wow. And my father was an actor and a musician, an incredible conga player. I have his congas. So a super creative family. If your mother was a therapist for abused women, too, she must... Which that was later in life. Later, You know, later in life after, you know, she, you know, figured out her own abusive Mm -hmm. nature because it's, it was handed down. Right. She worked really hard to work through all that stuff. But, you know, I was the eldest, so I got a lot of the brunt of that. So I was like, Mm -hmm. definitely had the abusive childhood traumatic. PTSD, as you can see when I walked in today, like it's like it's it's it. Little things can just trigger you, mm-hmm. and this is you know a time in my life like like finally learning. Oh, boundaries. Oh, don't choose a person that's gonna you know we seek the teeth to match our wounds. You know. Um, oh, I've never heard that. Damn. Well, I wish I, I, I wish I, I wish I had come up with it, but I didn't. Is uh, his name is Kenneth Tynan, and he was a great critic um, in and and a writer in London. And he said, we seek the teeth to match our wounds. And I've always loved that's that. And that's brilliant. really the truth. Yeah, it's so true. we do. Mm. Yeah. And in order to heal those those wounds. And having grown up, grown up with a lot of powerful creativity and then this intensity that came from my parents, my father struggling with addiction, but mm. then got really sober, which is great. My mom, who had a very violent childhood, passing that on to her kids, what was going on in your life prior to your family's move to Skymont? Okay. We lived in New York, Chicago. My sister Patricia was born in Chicago. She's the only one that was born in Chicago. Um, I love Chicago, too. It's a great city. So we moved from Chicago to Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains on the Shenandoah River because my family, my parents were involved in a, our art was always involved in a, it's actually very beautiful. It was a, a spiritual organization out of Indonesia called Subut. And it was just a spiritual brotherhood. It wasn't like culty weird. The thing is that they bought a summer camp that and turned it that was meant for summers and turned this place into a commune. Mm-hmm. You know, where we all lived in like tiny little cabins that were meant for, for um summer camp and you know yeah. like tiny you know like as big wow. as this room <laughs> like so it was like whole family the whole, yeah yeah and it was like this really amazing group of people that happened to be in this spiritual brotherhood or and and great actors and musicians in fact my godfather was hamilton camp of the um of uh, 
Gibson and Camp, an actor, Hamilton Camp, who's wonderful. He was my godfather. He lived there with their uh, five kids. And, um, How many it people fun? It does It was fun. fun. It was the most amazing childhood. I mean, it was like, it was really great. But I left, I left early because it was in Virginia and we were in Bentonville, Virginia, and and I had to go to school. I remember going to school in this three-room schoolhouse that they had, you know, where they're ringing the bell. I mean, it really was like old fat. And my mom and 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 we're reading about Civil War history and stuff, and they were saying oh, that the boy. South had won the Civil War. Like I knew this Whoa. at that age, and I was Virginia, nine or something. I was in like, the public school or in the public school. Ooh, and I my and gosh. so you, we were like the Skymount hippies, and people those Skymount hippies, y'all hippies, right up there. So it, ha- you know, we were like scary to them mm-hmm. and so as soon as that happened i told my mother and she flipped she was like oh my god no 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 and so there too bad we don't have like the homeschooling thing that was so mm. you know, what people are doing now and that would have been helpful for me um but then i went to middle school in in um in virginia any in, in, in the um what's it called front royal virginia was and that's when like all the shit hit the fan because of course i had you know well, my first day of school going to the Bentonville, I'll go back there. I went um, into the back of the bus because I saw like cool kids, you know, in the back of the bus. And I sat in the back of the bus with all the, my, you know, these cool friends that I said, hi, introduced myself. And, and when I got out, the bus driver leaned over and said, you're a little Ann lover, aren't you? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, <gasps> like, what? Like, I, like I, if I, if that word, like, that was not, you know, allowed to say that ever. You know, my mother, like. Even if I heard it or someone said that, like, you say that, like, you're in deep shit, you know. And um, so I told my mom that. She was like, oh, this is scary. And um, But I kind of had to, I think I had to be there for about a year. And then went into, like, further into a different school into, but it still wasn't, you know, it wasn't as horrible as that. But um, so I went to middle school in this, uh, in Front Royal, Virginia. And that was all crazy and racist. And I just, by the time I was... Uh, about to be 14 years old, like, I had to get out of there. And so you lived there for, like, three years? I was there from, no, no, wait. So I wasn't nine. So let's say 11 to 13, I was in 11 to 13, and then I left probably in the middle of 14 to go. I left. They stayed, the whole family. And mm. I moved with the family in in South Orange, June, uh, in in Maplewood, New Jersey, and went to school, finished school there because I just, I was, oh, you know, wow. cause a raise riot because yeah, you had to get out of there. Well, no I did because of I had a black boyfriend and and um I got um uh totally beat up and wow. well like well <laughs> like attacked and they tried to put dog shit in my mouth it was like horrible oh my god calling me and you know like you're, it was just that's a really big culture shock going from having Martin Luther King yeah yeah to that to it's that. like and yeah, I knew seriously. and my mother so the brother of the my boyfriend um my boyfriend, who, by the way, was like, you know, 16 and I'm 13 or something, like or about to be 14, mm-hmm. 14, 14 maybe he's going to be 17. It was, you know, older. And um, she, my mother, came, it, it, the brother of that guy became like this race rider. They had like, remember the, the, what are the kung fu things? So, Oh, Nunchucks. 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 I was so excited. They were like, right like, like, it was like, <laughs> and like redneck guys coming, like there was going to be like a thing. And for some reason, I don't like, like a fight, like a real fight over this whole thing, them protecting me. And then these redneck guys, it was really scary. And Jeez. out of nowhere, my mother comes driving, like, what is going, like she, like an angel, I don't know, it's like, 
like and at I, school and or I look I said get I'm not living here anymore Whoa. get me out of here well why are we living here yeah. just get out of here it's and stink. so they stayed they stayed in the commune and got out pretty like I I went for a year in New Jersey and then they went to um they moved to uh Chicago so yeah. the so back to you know back to Chicago between the commune and just like outside life in the south where you were living it sounds like just regular life was much cultier than the commune yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So there, there, and there was no real like because so because I got to say I really got to say the the super was not a cult. It's not. It's a it's a spiritual. It's like a you know meditation stuff. But, but there were a lot of people that I would say were really super dysfunctional going into this thing, and their dysfunction came out in this place, and it wasn't because I like. You know, so many of my childhood friends that I grew up with, and it's kind of beautiful. It's like it's a beautiful thing. It's like it's almost I, like a spiritual thing. I it's a know spi- more about it's it. It's a spiritual yeah. thing. It's not a cult. Because you can be any religion in it. You can be Christian yeah, yeah, or Muslim yes, or yes. whatever. Yeah. You just need to believe in, I'm butchering this, but the light within. Yeah, and, that's all it, it really uh-huh. is. But then there's so many people that just had the dark within in their own shit that they hadn't worked through in their lives and kind of just like, you know. Do you think that there was, I mean, something Hurt drawing... some children and stuff. You know, like oh, if I, you God. Know, was you know. there's Like you say, there, there was dysfunction in people. Do you think there was something that drew them to the communal lifestyle? Yeah, why do communes always go bad? I think they wanted to like, uh, you know, live cheaply. <laughs> I, think really? there was some, I think there were some people that <laughs> like kind of live there out of dysfunction. But there are really incredible people in my life that, you know, that my mother... You know, sort of the day she died, it was like my parents were really, you know, believed in this. It is light. That's all it really is. It's a beautiful awakening. That's all it is. The awakening the light within. That's all it is. How there do you are no do specific it? rules about yeah. like how you have to live or do anything. It's just it's a kind of a, a spiritual um, prayer thing that that you get opened to the light, and then there's like things I don't know. Like, and once that happens, you kind of have a thing called the Ladihan. I mean, I. And, it, and it's beautiful. I do. I practice it, and sometimes like not not very much. Would practicing uh, it be meditation? It's it's a it is a form of meditation that uh, is within yourself. And I got to tell you, my brother Rich would probably be much better explaining it. But because I don't, it's not a. It, it's a it's a core of just living a light life, you know, as much as you possibly can. And I don't know if it gives you like I've always been super intuitive, and I'm an empath, and I'm. Well, very psychic, actually. So um, hmm. you, you can have a – it almost like it opens this inner knowing. Yeah, I want to study it now. Great. <laughs> it's like yeah. – it's, it's beautiful. It's not – so – but there were a lot of dysfunctional people like in like anything in that became a part of this. And some, some people were incredible and some people were like not good and shouldn't be around children and were like not cool. And that did exist, unfortunately. And so like there was an instinct, I think my instinct of getting the hell out of there – I mean, I I got I got kicked out of the middle school because I wrote Black Power on my fist. Mm. Cool. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> the way to get. So then I was like, okay, I'm done. And then my they were like, what is going on? It was just like I'm going to get hung by a tree. Like they, it was bad. Wow. I mean, so do you think that if you wouldn't have had that disagreement with the school kids and you would have stayed there longer, do you think that it could have had the possibility of getting better and like being something really sustainable or getting worse or? I think my parents, like even the people that were there, that's why it took my mother a long time to finally become a therapist to understand her own abuse and her own mishigosh that was going on with her own life, that she hadn't healed her those dark parts of herself, you know, put it on her kids. Um, and 
And a lot of people were like that. Like they just, you know, they were young. Like, yeah. you know, my mom had me at 19. It's weird oh, to look wow. back yeah. and realize you know, so my mom, were they were young, yeah. you know, Mine and too, yeah. just like, so I look at myself like, oh my gosh, my mom was, you know, early, like late 20s, 30s, like, you know, like young and she hadn't figured out her stuff yet. My father, they hadn't figured it out. And yeah. it takes a long time to get to, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? Oh, I mean, of you yeah, talk about uh, yeah, I'm 39. Oh, you are? Okay, yeah, well, you I'm look like 35, a baby. Yeah. Oh, you guys look so much younger. Thank you. Anyway, Thanks. I'm old enough to be your mother's case. Okay? So <laughs> well, you off. look younger than us, so <laughs> you fuck off. <laughs> you well, are so not we'll leaving here off. without we the skincare routine. I'm telling what you. What is that. it? <laughs> the skincare oh, routine. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Was there drugs on the commune? Oh, well, so um, I, I grew up with a, a, a father who was a pothead. You know, oh. so like for years, then he got really super sober. Like he was like Mr. You know, 12 uh-huh. step, like, you know, so, hmm. and, and that was great. Like that was really a great time for him too. Like when did he, that change happen? I mean, like, so yes, there was, that's that there was, but that's not the, the leader, um, his Bapak, who was a leader of the, you know, light brotherhood of this, uh, Subud was really against Oh, drugs. okay. Really against Okay, it. so there was a leader. He just lived in Indonesia. Oh, that was, was like, like the a, entire yeah, yeah, religion's like he would leader. Come this, yeah, he was, but it's not a religion. It's not. Or, okay. It's not movement. a religion. Movement, It sure. was just like a movement. It was just like, you know, to do light things in the world. That's really what it is. Mm. It's not, but totally against drugs. Did, did he have... Totally, totally, totally against drugs. And, and, and because he believed that the ring brought this energy, which I kind of like never got until this time in my life where I was like, oh, that's like, I just don't feel great. So why am I... I and it I never do it that much good, anyway. Then, yeah. I was never an addict. I'm just addicted to addicts. Right. Oh uh, my God. I, 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 I love that. I, I always, I always fall in love with you know, people who have got an alcohol issue or something like I, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm always, I I'm always even. with the guy <laughs> yeah. that's like, Oh no, no, it's not an issue, but you know, it's always it changes their personalities. Like, yeah. yeah. Would they have you give them money? It wasn't like that. No, 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 no. Wow. No, so no. what it was he? It he was, was just, just really getting, just giving like giving this. So he's this, like a little Jesus. Yeah, in like, it was like, it was just Jesus. giving, it was just, well, he didn't think of something. He was just giving this gift to people and, you know, I think living on the commune, everybody just kind of paid rent to be in this place. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like take our money and, you know, we're living, you know, in a beautiful with a private jet life. Would so it really visit? was communal. He did come visit. He okay. did come visit. Okay. There My mother leader. went there a lot. She went, she went, she went to Indonesia once and left me with the kids. At, like I was oh my like, God, I was, she went to visit him. Wow. I was 14. And like we were back in Chicago and it like left me taking care of the kids. Like 14. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. There, aside from him, who's like far away, there's not like a, someone actually guiding the everyday mm-hmm. dynamics. No, but the, that's why it, it wreaked havoc because everybody just was like, no, leadership. no, we're living in this, you know, beautiful area. But, uh, you know, everybody's got their dysfunction and they're not dealing with it. How many people were there? the time i don't know i should ask my family i think it was like 50 or oh, okay. like that kind Small. of thing. sounds so Not, fun <laughs> it was so fun for the camp- kids oh god we i did, had the loneliest childhood <laughs> well you did we well like because there was fiddler on the roof was playing in the only movie theater in town oh, and so we saw watched fiddler on the roof and came home and decided like all the kids we'd like build our own anatevka and became like, like oh my funny. gosh it was very funny we played you know like we made our own little village you know mm. with you know tarps and funny things and and um and, you know, 
suddenly were like living like little peasants in Anatevka. It was like we had great imagination. Like it was beautiful. I mean, if you literally live at a summer camp, I feel like it's heaven. (laughs) And my family, the kids, like my dad was in a band called the Sky Monsters, which is actually a great record that you can track down that Hamilton Camp is on. It was on, um, it was on uh, Asylum Records. So they were wow. yeah, I was on Asylum. And so my dad is on, in that band. They would tour and stuff. And I think my dad and those guys who most were all in Skymont um, basically paid for the, everybody to like live and stuff. Oh. And then there was a really amazing play that Paul Sills directed called the um, Story Theater, which was on Broadway, won temp- Tonys and stuff. And Camp... Hamilton Camp was in the uh, that my dad was understudy for that. We I, I went lived in the Chelsea Hotel while he was doing that for a little while while the family was cool. in. I went to visit him, and when you read like just kids, it's like oh my god, I was there when Patty Smith was there as a kid. Wow. But like Dude. I was like Eloise of the of the Chelsea. You know, I wish I I look. Can I, I wish I could say I, I remember Patty Smith being there. Like I don't. So what? But You're I just do. Like, like, so but much. I was in that. In that, my uh, brother Richmond and I would go and visit my dad. And there was a couple times that I went by myself, which was cool. That's. I mean, you were a part yeah. of so many important and interesting movements as a kid, which I feel like. Not That's why that music, like rock festivals, I feel so at home. At, mm. You know, at a festival, like I used to shoot the backstage interviews, like you guys are doing here for Coachella. For many years, oh and, really? Um, yeah, with the artists backstage, and I did cool. that for a long time, and um, about six years, and I loved it. It Was my favorite job I've ever had. Wow, huh. that's and, um, awesome. Yeah. After all that, come my father, who was an actor, mother, acting teacher. We moved to Los Angeles. We just we get the big, beautiful Gower house that uh, just got sold, which is really sad, but amazing because my um, and my brother Richmond lived there for a long time and kind of refurbished, and it was really beautiful and it just sold, and he's he's gone off to. Moved to moved to another state and um, is very happy where he is right now and just needed to get out of here, but that was like the family home and it you know mm. just closed last week and it's like wow oh. yeah and it's really changed my mom you know like yeah it's beautiful mm. so you have this childhood and you spend some time on this commune but for you it's not like a negative experience on the commune really it was at never all. in fact it's one of the beautiful childhood memories I have of my childhood I would say that time was really amazing within the the, where we were in our safe, beautiful, loving, kind space in Skymont. But when we had to deal with the town, it was horrible. And really good people. And then there were dysfunctional people like there are anywhere in our childhood but that came there and thought, you know, that like really needed to maybe be, you know. Somewhere else. Uh, mental health. Mental really, health yeah. therapy and on but, medication. Was there anything? I think there were a there lot of people like that. But negative about the movement itself? No. No. There really, cool. I don't have anything negative about because it, it wasn't like, Children of God. Oh, kind I of remember. Little, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. any, it wasn't any of that. Kind. There's no cool. like, or you for know. For some reason, I I thought it was before I restarted no, researching. No, no, no. And I'm so happy that it wasn't. But a lot thought, of people, you know, because the Arquettes, and then you got the Phoenixes, and they exactly. had the Children of God. It's right. It's, right. The, just that we grew up in a very hippie, but we didn't have like you know having having to have sex with the you know the cult right. leaders or and there was none of that. And no, like, no, no. It was really just more like going to India and meditating with Ama or something. It was that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? More like the, of the era. Yeah. Opposed, yeah. I it wasn't dark. There. It wasn't dark at all. The town was dark. What we had to deal with outside of it, like, you know, was dark. Um, and then there were just very dysfunctional people within it that came to try to heal themselves that really needed more than just, you know, yeah. a spiritual path. They needed to go be on medication right. and like, right. so there were, you know, there were a few of those people, like there are anywhere. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, the experience of that was a very beautiful time in my life. 
you know? I want to know a little bit more about your parents' journey of healing because I feel like we hear stories of abuse a lot yeah. where people don't really get to the healing part with yes. their parents or their abuser. Um, and it's ever. really, yeah, it's really cool to know that they, that your parents like did the work of healing themselves. And I just, I'm yeah. curious when that happened and what that kind of looked like. So my, my mom was horribly abused growing up. And so she kind of transferred that. I think it got better and better with each kid. I'm the eldest. Mm. So I think Richmond and I got a huge brunt of stuff. Not to say that everybody had a little bit of it, but she was super physically violent, verbally violent and emotionally violent. And then she had this kind of, uh, well, I think it really, it came when she got cancer and she, she, a little before she was, you know, discovering and studying psychology and everything that she really herself had this abuse that she had blocked out that was like brutal, you know, child, sexual, sexual assault abuse that she had put away. So like it was manifesting itself into violence against, you know, the world and her kids, especially me in Richmond. And, and then, and then, um, but then, you know, she got to this place by working, like really working on herself and understanding where that came from healing with us all, um, you know, uh, and, and, and that, that's the thing is like the root cause. Like I, I even have a, the root cause of, of people like Harvey Weinstein, like how he got to be this guy who does this, even though he denies it, but he did. Trust Me is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Most of you listening right now are probably multitasking. Yep, while you're listening to us talk, you're probably also driving, cleaning, exercising, or maybe even grocery shopping. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you can be doing right now. Getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy, and you could save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save nearly $700 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. So just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year. So you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join the over 29 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $698 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You had this amazing beginning to your career. Um, you starred in Desperately Seeking Susan with Madonna. You're the star of that movie. You're so good in that movie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, what? How did the next few years transpire? Oh, I mean, it's going to be 40-year anniversary because she's going on tour for 40 years. So it's exactly oh, like wow. 40 years. Older than you both. Thank That's you. That's wild. Yeah, it is. We read a detail that you said in an interview about how you were not supposed to go <laughs> to your own mad. premiere of that movie. So, um, <laughs> at the time of it, when they were uh, when we were shooting it, and then they had the big premiere of it, um, I-, I was sent to New York to do press for it, like go on the morning shows, and then they had Madonna come and you know in a catalog and the red carpet and do this whole thing. Um, and probably that was set up by, you know, who knows it was, but I just remember like, what's happening? Like what? And it was the first time like, that's, that was so mean. I got my feelings hurt. I yeah, was, I was really hurt. Say, how do you not get so salty So basically about that? Madonna was the one doing all the press for it. No, and- well, no, no. I, I actually did do the, a lot of the press, but they, she did the openings of the, you know, right, like the, right. the big, you know, opening of it, but it ended up being, you know, it was fine. Like I want to 
British Academy Award for it and got nominated Hello. for Golden, Golden Globe and and I was and it was all fine and good and you know she's uh, she's Madonna she's, yeah, like, she's, yeah, yeah. she's you know are you excited about her tour I want to go yeah. I just I, 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 I let's all go if she comes to LA I definitely want to go yeah I definitely yeah. want to go me too I, like, I, I want to see it it's going to be good it's going to be great it's going to be all her hits it's going to be fun yeah totally I mean like she's you know she's an icon she's a Madonna she's like she she changed the you know she's the Biggest selling woman um, in the, you know, in music, you know, still. I mean, she's, she's a icon. legend. Yeah. She's a total icon. Yeah. 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 Um, but so then you, you start doing movies and you're in, you were also, I mean, a few years later, but you were also in um, Pulp Fiction. Like uh. I said, you were in Cronenberg's Crash. At what point exactly did you have the interaction with Harvey Weinstein in which he, like, threatened you? It's like, I mean... I just like that. That's what's so sad about like it's it. Well, w- there was this movie called Romeo's Bleeding that he ended up not producing. That is why I went to. So whenever that is, he he ended up not doing. But he, I went to the Beverly Hills Hotel because I was supposed to do it with Gary Oldman. Annabella Shore ended up doing it. She's one of the women that talked with Ronan yeah. and helped her mm. to do that. But. I was told that I was going to have a, a new script there. They wanted me to do it. I met him. At the, I went to the Beverly Hills Hotel, and they said, Mr. Weinstein, we'll see you upstairs. The first thought was like, mm, like upstairs. And I thought, oh, no, he's got the apartment. You know, Yes, you which know. I would think, too. Like, yeah. I've had things like that happen that have yeah. been normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he's like, up oh, in his hotel room, and yeah, then you go up, and there's like 100 yeah, people there. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, good, good, good. Yeah, 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 like, too. People so are much always like, you thought you were just going to go to his hotel room? Yeah. But he opened the door in his white bathrobe. And, oh, um, and there was a, it was like, and, oh, and he goes, oh, I can't move my neck. I can't move my neck. And I was like, oh, well, you know, um, I, 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 then I started to, I could feel danger, danger. I had that voice that said danger, which didn't bring me fully into that room. I kind of stayed in the door jam and he was still doing this because I, I get, I can get you a masseuse. He goes, no, 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 Rosanna. Like he's in the door. I'm like right here and takes my hand, pulls it down to his, you know, whatever penis that, Apparently it's that quick. like, I, what, but I don't, I, I, this Ooh. is a long time ago. So like, but it was, there was an issue there. Like it was, I think it's not where a lot of people, so like, it, cause it did have an erection sticking out of the wow. robe. I yanked it away. And, um, and people these days have, you know, like, it's like I had a, he had some kind of disease or something. So this mine is like a long, long time ago. Um, and I said, no, I'll, he goes, you're making a very big mistake, Rosanna. Look what I've done for Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Elle McPherson. Now, Gwyneth is one of the women that came out in, you know, in the, she said, Jody Cantor uh, uh, reporting um, uh, against him. So he's a liar. Uh-huh. And he was lying. He was lying about her to. to she just won. You know, like if she just. You know, if she looked, did it. Yeah. You, yeah. Like when is when are the year? It's like it's. I think it's like the very early nineties. Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. late, the beginning of nineties. It's in the, it's in that time when I called my agent at the time. She didn't want me to get involved, and she did, when, didn't remember. Like she like I, she didn't want to be like it was interesting how many people mm-hmm. did kind of like, well Jesus this did happen so you better keep your mouth shut you got to be careful you know like. So I've told people through the years, and um, and they remember that. One wow. being Jane Fonda, who's mm, a great wow, friend of mine, wow, and wow. Um, and ally, and uh, and uh, so yeah, people remember. You know that I so did. So did you just kind of turn around, walk away, and I w- I got to the bottom of the elevator, and I knew that my career was going to be different from that moment, and it, has and been. it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. I because I was 
whatever, like whatever the list is. I w- there was an A list, B list, C list. I was at the top of the A list for quite a lot, long time. That's and so the, sad. And That's then it so and it, it did it did impact me because and you can read about what he does because he would punish you for that. Say you're difficult. Big time. And that was like, you know, I've worked with the greatest directors in the world. And, you know, I mean, you know, uh, that was like he he would do that. He did it to Mira. He did it to Mira Savino. Mm -hmm. He did it to many of us. And um, I mean, there's so many, you know, great, wonderful women that he did this to and tried to destroy. Mira was a, you know, uh, Oscar winning actress. Yeah. How did it feel telling that story after your life was impacted so by terrifying. that for so long. So ter- oh. It was so terrifying. Well, I talked to, you know, Ronan, um, who I love, Ronan Farrell, his book is amazing. Yeah, I mean, his book awesome. is the real deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird. Like, I thought, like, oh, wow. Like, showed in the, she said, which, you know, I love the actresses playing it, but, um, uh, but you know, they had the, the voice. They had the um, Amber, Amber Gutierrez, uh, Amber, De- Amber Gutierrez, uh, her her, um, she was wired by the police, and you know they played that in the movie. But that was actually, you know, uh, Rona. Oh, it was. It was Rona's reporting that oh, exposed dear. that because he had the tape of it. He's the one that exposed that. So it's like mm. it bothered me. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. That's not your reporting. That's not. That's not, that's yeah, right. that yeah. was Rona Farrow's reporting. And they they both shared the Pulitzer Prize. I went with Ronan to uh, get it, and mm. um, uh, and uh, and. So it was kind of like that's not fair, and I, I think that his book is so extraordinary and would have made a really incredible movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I love the actresses though that are in that movie. Both of them were fantastic. But but it, it was it was scary. But did it feel like? Did you feel like okay, this is finally coming out? Like finally something is changing? Like I I don't know. I feel like this. You were a part of the thing that like blew up the culture. You know, like what is that? Like? I mean, it was. And it, it happened on Twitter, mm-hmm. and that's what, and that was where the town square, the great part of Twitter, where like we were able to like, you know, had we not had that that to be able to do that across the world, how do we help deconstruct the cult of Hollywood a little bit? Like, where do we? Is there anything we can do? Since well, I think it's happening now. Like, I'm, I I think it's kind of you know we're just just uh, I don't I don't know if Hollywood like I don't think it's I think. For me, Hollywood is not really a cult. Mm-hmm. I think there's like like really unhealthy people within it's kind of this commune. this cre- <laughs> this creative <laughs> force <laughs> of incredible artists that yeah. are like making you know films that can change your lives or like you know just making crap that's just violent and you know like you know another slashing thing. But which is not you know there's a whole audience for that. God knows, mm-hmm. but um and and it, and it does really well, but. But the people that I know, and I've been really fortunate to know that I like that are in my life, are you know some of the most badass, amazing women in the business, who are the most extraordinary actors. Um, I you know, uh, and the independent film world is really important, and Amen. and for in, for mm-hmm. it's like it's really important. And I don't know if you saw Two Leslie with Andrea Riseborough. There's no. a whole. She, she just got nominated like, for Best Actress, and she deserves it. She's an incredible actress. But, you know, the Oscar nominations came out, and not one woman director was nominated. Right. And that's crazy. Right. Like, so we still have a long way to go, and we and, and we got to, like, all these important issues have come up to the surface, and now we have to figure out, like, the way to, like, let's get let's – get, let's get back to the art of it. Totally. And it's a small little independent film that they did in 19 days – you know, during mm. COVID isolation. So it's like, there's, 
there's that. You know, Michael Morris directed it, um, who's an extraordinary director. Mark Maron is in it. No way. And he's so – I love him so much. He's so good. And I, I just love him. And he is extraordinary as an actor in it. I like what you're saying about – Hollywood. Hollywood isn't – a cult exactly and mm-hmm. the commune point is interesting it's like it attracts all kinds of personalities and there are so many different communities within this like much larger thing the narcissists there, there's, a, there's huge huge narcissists look at there are too, the conglomerates that have bought into like there's foreign entities that have put a lot of money into this business so they can control the narrative that's dangerous to me mm-hmm. I, it is yeah and, uh, and so i'm worried about that um you know, but so I hope that we can just get back to the, get, you know, Joni Mitchell and we got to get ourselves back into the garden. I mean, it is that in terms of creativity and um, can, I hope we can do that. Um, but when you have like Saudi money, like all this, like, you know, that they're controlling, they own the, the they control the narrative. Right. Well, it's when dangerous. It's, when it's run by a capitalist society yes. that has a financial bottom line as opposed to a, a, a storytelling and yeah. art being yeah. the priority, that yeah. is when things can become yeah. cutthroat and corrupt yeah. and, and yeah. dangerous, right? And, like, you know, there's – because of the awareness of diversity, like, you know, and we have powerful, amazing women in the business, especially um, like Ava DuVernay. Like, she's done – like, she has a company. She has all these creative people that come, and she helps young filmmakers. And, like, more of that – we need, and she's like, you know, number one in that, and we need like, you know, hundreds, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and that needs to happen. It's happening slowly but surely, but, you know, women, not not one woman being nominated. I mean, Sarah Polly's movie is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. she just wrote a book, um, Run Towards Danger. Like, a, she's an extraordinary filmmaker. You are just on the top of every piece of art. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think she's like, she's she's a great writer, and she directed a powerful, important movie, Women Talking. That, you know, that I would have loved to see. I mean, that, a little more of that. Um, you know, so but this you is are, a to be continued. You've been a part of the change for your whole life, and yeah. it seems like you will continue to be. I'm continuing this. I, I'm, you know, they, they do everything to shut me up, and, you know, I know it affects <laughs> me, but I, I'm, I'm just not able to. <laughs> what a yeah. great note to end on Amen. <laughs> do you have anything that you want to promote I did a couple things like the Big Sky a show called Big Sky that I have an arc on I did this Paul T. Goldman that's on Peacock I, I just did a movie with um, God, we're going to talk about my career It's I with uh, Julia Armand who I love very much and uh, Kevin Pollack and mm-hmm. a guy named Joe, Joe Cortezzi, um, and called Here's Yanni so you know I'm working Amazing. Hell yeah. Well, Little, you. you know, working, but, you know, I'm ready to, like, go do a series and have fun. I'm ready for that for yeah, you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> go check her out on Instagram and everything she just mentioned. And we cannot thank you enough for being here today. Yeah, thank you, thank so you both much. so much. Thank you. You guys are great. So, Megan. Yes. So, in terms of the Subid community that Rosanna grew up on, do you think that that's something that you would join? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I'm very into communes. I'm very into, uh, living with a bunch of people, but that in specific just doesn't really ring my bells. I think it's in the middle of too much of nowhere and just a little too many people crammed into the same spot. And, and, you know, it, it doesn't sound like my jam exactly. I'm actually surprised. I thought you were going to say it did. It sounded no, like such a Megan thing. No, I, it's artists, you know, it's like a choose your own yeah, spirituality. I mean, no, no. Wow. Okay. See, for me, 
not the crowded part, not like cramped into little rooms. Yeah, exactly. I a, I, I'm a little but, bit, that, that's a little bit more like camping and I need to go glamping. <laughs> I love the idea of like a remote commune where it's all artists for sure and but it's nature but i do like as so if i could get my own like cabin or whatever right. with like sold. heat and you know like the necessities they were really sure you're really, right really 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 like rough so this it. that the commune her commune but like with an upgrade with like a modernization Great. bring then, me to then it you're in okay yes. done <laughs> sold me too sold yeah um all right that's it Oof. we did it Thank you guys so much for being here for another week. We have lots of good stuff for you next week. We can't wait to see you there. And as always, remember to follow your gut. Watch out for red flags. And And never, never, ever trust me. me. Bye. Bye. Trust Me is produced by Kirsten Woodward, Gabby Rapp, and Steve Delamater. With special thanks to Stacey Para. And our theme song was composed by Holly Amber Church. You can find us on Instagram at Trust Me Podcast, Twitter at Trust Me Cult Pod, or on TikTok at Trust Me Cult Podcast. I'm Ula Lola on Instagram and Ola Lola on Twitter. And I am Megan Elizabeth Eleven on Instagram and Babraham Hicks on Twitter. Remember to rate and review and spread the word. 